Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how the second brain in your gut may actually be your first one, how researchers solved the decades-old mystery of Jupiter's hot atmosphere, and why placebo buttons are useful even though they don't do anything. Let's do some curiosity. I guess we'll satisfy it is what I mean by that. Your brain is keeping a secret from you. It's not the only brain you've got. It turns out that there's an independent system of neurons in your gut, and they work without any input from your brain. Even weirder, scientists think this second brain evolved before your so-called first brain, and new research is providing even more evidence that that's the case. This independent nervous system in your gut is called the enteric nervous system. It's made up of motor neurons that control muscle contraction and sensory neurons that detect and respond to the chemicals in your gut. And unlike the nerve cells that keep your heart pumping or your liver functioning, these neurons operate without any input from your brain. There is communication between your gut and your brain, but about 90% of those signals are from the gut to the brain, not the other way around. Some research suggests that those signals could even be affecting your mood and behavior. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that a new study has found that motor neurons in the enteric nervous system behave completely differently from those in the regular old central nervous system. The enteric nervous system forms a wide net of neurons that coordinate their activity to allow the gut to function properly. Researchers from Flinders University used a brand new technique that let them record muscle activity along the colon and compare it with changes in the colon's diameter as it pushed its contents along its length. Scientists have never quite understood this process, so the fact that they were able to make these measurements was a big deal. It turns out that thousands of neurons in the enteric nervous system join forces to coordinate contractions in the gastrointestinal tract. That's very different from the way the central nervous system triggers other smooth muscles in organs responsible for moving fluids around, like blood vessels. After all, those muscles have nerves that connect to the larger system and are controlled by the brain. Scientists believe that the enteric nervous system evolved along with the gastrointestinal tract. And if that's the case, then the rudimentary brain that controls the GI tract would have evolved long before the central nervous system. And this research is one more piece of evidence to suggest that's true. Forget second brain. Your enteric nervous system is your first brain. Yeah, we got to talk about Jupiter for a second. I mean, Jupiter is way hotter than it should be. What's going on? For decades, scientists just haven't been able to figure out why. But a new study may have found the answer. High energy auroras are heating up the planet. They're giving off intense bursts of X-rays normally only seen near black holes and neutron stars. Now, as for why Jupiter shouldn't be hot, well, it's about five times farther from the sun than Earth. That long distance from the sun's light and heat led scientists to assume Jupiter's upper atmosphere should be about minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 73 degrees Celsius but measurements consistently show a much higher temperature, 800 degrees Fahrenheit or 426 degrees Celsius. 
that is significantly hotter. Now, until now, we didn't have a lot of measurements of Jupiter's temperature, so it was impossible to pinpoint where all that heat was coming from. But recently, an international research team tried to find out by using telescope observations to create much more detailed temperature maps of the planet. The new observations were helped along by a lucky accident. The observation window lined up with a significant solar storm, which caused strong auroras on Jupiter. Just like on Earth, Jupiter's aurora is caused by the interaction of charged particles from the Sun and its electromagnetic field. Jupiter has a super strong electromagnetic field. It's about 20,000 times stronger than Earth's, and it extends almost to the orbit of Saturn. That means the power of Jupiter's auroras are also huge. Every 27 minutes, an auroral event occurs at the North and South Pole that is so energetic, it could power our entire civilization. Jupiter's auroras are powerful, but scientists wondered, are they powerful enough to heat up the entire planet? Or is the aurora's heat confined to the poles? To find out, the research team used data from the Keck Observatory in Hawaii to create the most detailed map of the planet's upper atmosphere yet. It showed that the auroras did indeed cause the temperature to fluctuate across the entire planet, from the poles all the way to the equator. This led the research team to conclude that the redistribution of the aurora's energy was the main thing heating Jupiter's upper atmosphere. So, although other heating mechanisms might be playing a part, we now know that the aurora is the main reason Jupiter is so darn hot. And why is this such a big deal, Ashley? Well, I mean, it's cool in and of itself that we finally know why Jupiter is super, super hot. But it also is actually pretty convenient because it gives us a way to study X-rays somewhere much closer to home than normal. Because like Cody mentioned, X-rays are typically produced by super extreme objects like black holes and neutron stars. But those are too far away to study in as much detail as Jupiter is because, you know, Jupiter is in our own solar system. So that's really cool. Come for the planetary mystery? Stay for the new way to study nearby X-rays. Absolutely. What do a lot of crosswalk buttons, elevator door close buttons, and office thermostats have in common? I'll tell you, they probably don't connect to anything. You might need to push a crosswalk button in a low-traffic area to trigger the light to change, but in dense urban areas... Those buttons are often just props. Seriously, cities control traffic by carefully timing traffic lights. They're not about to let a few pedestrians throw those timings off, which kind of makes you wonder why they're there in the first place. Well, these buttons are sometimes called placebo buttons, and they're incredibly common in public spaces. But just because they may not serve the purpose they advertise doesn't mean they don't serve a purpose. That is, they give you the illusion of control. That's a term coined by Harvard psychologist Ellen Langer in the 1970s. In one of her experiments, she had participants play a lottery. Some participants were able to choose their tickets, and some were simply given a ticket from the pile. A few days later, each person was asked whether they would sell their ticket to someone else who wanted to get in on the lottery. Now, even though the type of ticket had no effect whatsoever on their chance of winning, 
those who had chosen their own tickets were much less willing to part with them than those who hadn't. They seemed to believe that their choice gave them more control over the outcome. But instead of framing this as an irrational delusion, Langer described the effect as a positive thing. It's good to feel like you're in control, even if you're not. She argues that doing something might be better than doing nothing, even if that something is mechanically meaningless. And there are other benefits, too. For example, even if pressing the crosswalk button does nothing, that simple act keeps your attention on the crosswalk signals because it reminds you that you will get your turn to cross. The thermostat in an office building might not control anything, but it gives people in the office a sense of control over their surroundings. And it might even make them feel cooler or warmer anyway, regardless of the actual temperature in the room. But the deception doesn't really matter. Multiple studies have found that even when experimenters have been honest with the subjects and told them that they had no control over the outcome of a particular exercise, participants still report feeling some level of control. In this way, placebo buttons might be like a lucky rabbit's foot. You know it doesn't do anything, but you keep using it because it makes you feel better. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that you have not one, but two brains. Your quote-unquote second brain is what's known as the enteric nervous system. Not quite as catchy as second brain. But it's the neurons in your gut that work independently of your brain. New research shows that these neurons form a wide network to coordinate contractions in the gastrointestinal tract and help you digest your food. Pretty important. Now, that's totally different from the way other hollow muscles, like your blood vessels, work to move fluids around. The GI tract evolved early on, so this is one more bit of evidence that your enteric nervous system evolved before your brain, which would make it your first brain, not your second. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how much of the stuff that goes on in your brain starts out in your gut. I mean, your gut creates a bunch of neurotransmitters, too. And there are some theories that say that like diet actually plays a big role in depression because of your gut bacteria not making enough like serotonin and stuff. It's it's really interesting how connected everything is in your body. There are a lot of things that are really important to survival that you need before thinking is actually required. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> And we learned that we finally know why Jupiter's atmosphere is hotter than expected. Powerful auroras at the poles generate tons of energy that causes the temperature across the planet to fluctuate. And as a result, Jupiter's atmosphere is a blazing 800 degrees Fahrenheit or 426 degrees Celsius. And by the way, we explained in the story that Jupiter's auroras are caused by solar storms. That's not actually their only cause. One of Jupiter's moons, Io, is full of active volcanoes. Literally more than 400 active volcanoes on this one world. They result from the push and pull of gravity from Jupiter and its other large moons. Io's volcanoes erupt charged ions, which enter Jupiter's atmosphere, and they form auroras. Cody, have I told you my favorite story about the word Io? No. I once had an editor who didn't know that much about science. And I had written a story about Io, and she was editing it. And this was when we were in the office. And she, she says across the office to me, it's just spelled lowercase like that, low? And I was like, what? She's like, low? It's just, it's just lowercase? 
And I was like, I don't, what is she talking? Oh, Io. It's Io. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> wow. And we learned that plenty of crosswalk buttons, elevator door close buttons, and buttons on office thermostats don't actually perform a physical function. But they do give us an illusion of control, which is why they're called placebo buttons. And that's not a bad thing. Feeling like you're in control is good. And pressing these buttons may even make you focus more on the task at hand. So go on and press the button if you want to. You'll feel better. I'll probably judge you if we're in an elevator together. I won't lie. But, uh, you know, go ahead and do it. This whole placebo button story, especially with the crosswalks, just reminds me of the last time I, I had a run in with the police, Ooh. which I told you about. It was the last time we were in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. After the Consumer Electronics Show. So I was going to see Kygo at this club at either the Wynn or the Encore, and I had to go back to my hotel for something. And I'm there. If you've never been to Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Strip, there's like 10 lanes of traffic. It's gigantic. And uh, I had to cross the street to go back to my hotel. And I, I swear to you, I waited at this traffic light for three cycles. And it was cold. It was January. It was like 50 degrees. I was chilly. And the, the walk signal never came, right? Like the, the light would change and you could see green to go across the strip, but the walk signal never appeared. And I kept hitting the button. So after three cycles, I just, I waited for the signal to change. It said green and I started walking because I'm like, it's green, right? I'm safe. Anyway, yeah, I get to the median and suddenly and bright lights and this cop car pulls right up to me and the two officers jump out. They got that big spotlight on me. And I was, I felt like I was in an episode of cops. Wow. And I don't really have a lot of run-ins with the law. So I was just freaking out, you know, and I'm just like, I, I'm not drunk. I promise. Cause you know, they're on the strip. So clearly that's going to be the assumption. It was messy. It's very messy. Moral of the story is never jaywalk in Las Vegas. Yeah. Just, just stay at the crosswalk forever. I, have, <laughs> I had no other choice. It's like, what do I do? I was in crosswalk purgatory. Yeah, I get it. Brutal, brutal. Anyway, Kygo is really good, so happy ending. <laughs> Today's writers were Cameron Duke and Brianna Brownell. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. You know why this podcast is so hot? Woo! It's not because of Aurora's. It's because of all the curiosity we're satisfying. So, you know, join us again <laughs> tomorrow and we'll heat things up when we help you learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. That got me. <laughs>